ask you today. When we were singing, I surrender all. Do you really know what that means? I surrender all. Not just some. Not just what, what's easy to surrender. Not just what I feel like I want to surrender today. But when you sing, I surrender all. Now let's think about it. When God says to you, I want you to do this, do you swallow your pride and surrender it? Do you swallow your fear and you surrender it? When God says, I know you like this, but I want you to give it up for me. Do you give it up? When you're saying, I surrender all, what you're doing is you're going to the cross before him. And you say, God, everything in my life, I'm surrendering to you. What you're saying when you say, I surrender, is you're saying, I'm giving you my all. I'm giving you everything inside of me. I'm becoming a slave no longer to sin, but a slave to you. I am no longer going to bow down to the things of the world. I am no longer going to bow down to the things that I think I like or that the enemy has told me that I need. But what I'm going to begin to do is say, devil, you have no control. Devil, you no longer own me. But God, Christ, you have paid the price so I may have eternal life. And in return, what I am doing is when I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord, to be my Savior, I'm saying I give you my all. I give you every part of my life that when you say do something, I don't say why. I don't say hang on, I got something else to do. I say God, I will do it. God, no matter what the price, no matter what the cost, I will follow you because I've told you today that I surrender my life. I surrender all to you. That today I want to sing this one more time. And as you're singing it, I want you to envision yourself before him saying, God, I surrender all. God, I need you, Lord. Then you say, God, I can no longer do it. God, I can't do this on my own any longer, Father. But I need you to come control my life. I need you to come lead me, God. And in return, I will follow after you. The enemy has tried to kill, tried to steal, tried to destroy you. That is, that song said, surrender all. That as you begin to surrender all to him, as he begins to steal from you, as he begins to try to take from you, your life is no longer in your hands, but it's in the hands of the Almighty God. That just as he tried to destroy Jesus Christ on the cross, in the end, the Lord won. In the end, he rose from the dead and he showed the enemy he was a liar and he could not win, he could not steal, he could not destroy what God had his hand on. And I tell you today, as you begin to surrender all to God, as you begin to give your life over to him, that he cannot steal from you because in the end, it would be proven that he is a liar. In the end, it will be proven that our God is an almighty God, that our God will always win, that the enemy is nothing but God is everything, that the enemy 
has no control, but God has control over everything. And when you give your life into his hands, things begin to change. As you begin to put your life in his hands, things begin to come back to you that were stolen. Things that the enemy tried to steal from you, God will give back and in greater folds and greater measures. That I'm telling you today, if Satan has stolen from you, to look to heaven, to look to God and say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving you my all. I'm giving you my everything. I'm not holding back this time as I once did. That so many of us have held back something, they have grabbed a hold of something and have kept it, and if not, you've not released it unto God yet. And God's saying today, release it unto me that I want all of you. Do not hold back. That as you release everything unto me, as you give me your all, watch what I will do in your life. I don't think it's just one, but I think there's many here today that this is for, that he's saying, release it all. Stop holding on to bits and pieces, but release it all. That he doesn't promise you a tomorrow. It's not worth taking a chance. Will God come back today? Whether you'll live to see it tomorrow they give your life to him today. Put your life in his hands. I couldn't imagine living my life in anyone else's hands except for his. And when they're not in his hands, they're in the enemy's hands. And why would you put your life in the hands of one that's trying to kill you? Victory. He's a God of eternal life. He's a God of the risen, that he's no longer dead, but he defeated the grave. Thank you today, Father, we love you. Speak through me today, Lord. Use me today, Father. Do not let I that speak, Father, but you who speaks through me, Father. For they do not need to hear words from me, but words from heaven, words from you, Father. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come, y'all, glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you'll turn with me to John, you don't have to turn, but John chapter 1, verse 29. You know, today the title of my message is Accepting the Blood. Accepting the Blood. You say, well, what does that mean? Just listen, you'll find out. John 1, 29, it says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who is Jesus? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When you accept Jesus... You're accepting the God that takes away your sin. He paid a price for our disobedience, and he made a way. He made a way to the Father on Easter Sunday. It's when we proclaim victory. It's when we proclaim a risen God that we serve. That there's so many gods, lowercase g, out there that people serve, that people worship, that people bow down to. 
Really, a God is anything you put first in your life. Imagine that. So many of us worship our jobs, worship our bosses, we worship our family. But the first thing that needs to be in your life is God the Father, Jesus Christ. One that gave his life for us. It's so easy to, it's still not easy, but it's easier to give your life for someone that loves you. That treats you good. That respects you. That wouldn't come against you. But how hard would it be to give your life for a people that came against you? A people that would take you and put you on a cross and nail you there and laugh at you and mock you. That would betray you. Had to, but to do it because you wanted to. Because you still loved those that much. Because your love was so strong that you could forgive anyone for anything. Imagine that. If you're sitting here today and you can't forgive someone, I want to tell you how you do. The more of God's love and God you begin to receive in your life, the more you get filled up with God, the love that he has for you, the easier it becomes to forgive. Because the more you have of the one that can forgive it all, the more that you're filled up with him and the less of you. The reason that we can't forgive or it's hard to forgive is because we're filled up so much with ourselves. And it's about us. It's about me. I don't want to forgive. I can't forgive. But when you begin to receive more of God and what he has for you, as you begin to draw closer to him, the easier it becomes to forgive. There are people today that I can forgive easily that years ago it would have been hard. That years ago I may not have been able to forgive. But as you begin to fill yourself up with the forgiver, it's so much easier to do so many things. It's so much easier to say, you know what? I have a God that died on the cross because he had so much love for everyone, that now that I've received that love that he has for me, and then once you begin to receive how much he loves you, you begin to love others that way. You begin to love others so much more, so much greater, that when they come against you, you begin to look at it in Christ's eyes and not your own. You begin to look at it and say, wow, God. Wow, I put that in your hands, Father. I forgive them. And how much easier it is to live when you've forgiven. When you've forgiven. Wow. You know, we're going to talk about the blood and what it does. Turn to Romans chapter 5, 8 through 10. If you have a pen, if you have your phones, take notes today. I love note taking. Go back, review it. I mean, so many times I've been in church and 
remember sitting there after I get out, man, church is great today. People say, really, what they preach about? I don't know, but it was really good. I learned a lot. And they're like, okay. But I tell you what, take notes. As you're taking it, it begins to go into your head. You can review it later. To meditate on it. Meditate on his word day and night. Take the scriptures. Go back and look up what I've said. Don't just trust the man up here. That that's what your duty is. Is to go back and make sure I'm preaching the truth. Because how many people fall into deception and lies because they just believe the man up on the stage? But I'm telling you for your own good, take notes. Take notes. Romans 5, 8 through 10, it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that, while we were still sinners, listen, it didn't say after we asked for forgiveness. It didn't say after we became made perfect. It said while we were still heathens, while we were still coming against God, while we were still nailing him on the cross, it says that Christ died for us. It says much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. How are we saved? Not by things that we do, but through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been re reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. How are we saved? By his life. Nothing else can save us except through his blood, through him. You know, in order, when we say to be saved, it's to be saved from hell. To be saved from the enemy destroying us. But in order to be saved, you must accept the shedding of his blood. You must accept what he's done for you. Now listen to this. I could be out in the middle of the ocean. And somebody throws me a life jacket or a lifesaver. What good is it if I don't accept it? Just because it's sitting there before you doesn't mean anything. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you'll go to heaven. But as it's sitting there before you and he's saying, here is my life, here is my blood, it's sitting there, all you need to do is accept it today. But so many aren't willing to accept it. But, but here's the deal. Sometimes in order to accept something, in order to receive it, and I've said this before, it's about laying something down in order to get it. It's about laying something down in order to accept it. So many times we don't want to accept something because we don't want to lay something else down. We don't want to give up anything. That in the Titanic, as it began to sink, so many people were rushing for their gold and their jewelry and their different things. And... Somebody could throw a life jacket and say, put this on. And they say, I can't. I can't let this sink. I can't let go of this. Yeah. 
But in order to save yourself, sometimes you must lay something down. You must be willing to lay it down. Because here's the deal. They could have gone down with their jewelry, their money, their belongings. But I tell you what, when they died, they couldn't take it with them. What use was it for them to hang on to something so close to them, so dear to them, to have died and lost it, than to have given up, given it, and said, now I can live. Now I can have eternal life. That so many of us don't want to give up our past. We don't want to give up something to inherit something so much greater. So much greater that I'm telling you what today. I remember so many times I was trying to turn my life around for God. I didn't want to give up things. Therefore, I didn't follow the path that I needed to follow. Because when I was following that straight and narrow path, I couldn't go off and do this or do that. And when I tried to and I did this and I did that, the conviction that came upon me made me choose which way I was going to go. It wasn't that I could walk both paths anymore. I had to decide which path it was. Because if I continued to try to walk the straight and narrow path and continued to bring these things along with me, the guilt and conviction that came upon me was too strong for me to handle. That either one, I had to give it up, or two, I had to give up God. Think about that. Why do you think so many Christians are depressed? It made me depressed, made me miserable trying to hold on to two things and fighting with it and not making a choice which one I was going to go after. It's almost like a pulling from your left and your right, and it's tugging you both ways. And you're the one holding on to both hands, and it's your choice which you let go and which way you go. It's your choice. People like to say, well, if God was a good God, he wouldn't send anyone to hell. You're right, he won't. It's your choice. It's your choice. You're going to carry on to God and make your choice to heaven, or are you going to carry on with the enemy and make your choice to hell? Hell is a real place. It's not talked about enough, but hell is a real place. That if that doesn't scare you enough, I don't know what will. That you must decide today which path you're going to take. Hebrews 9.22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9, 11 through 15. Let's go to chapter 9, verse 11 through 15. It says, But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Now with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most high place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, 
how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, without sin, without blemish, means to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the meditator of the new, mediator of the new covenant. By means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. That he's made a new covenant, a blood covenant between you and him. That he shed his blood as a covenant between you and him to have eternal life. To receive eternal life. To one day go and be with him. But here's what's awesome with this covenant. As you enter under this covenant with him, there's many other covenants that come with it. You know, I thought about this week, as I was thinking about this message and God was working in my life, I thought about the tithing covenant. Think about that for a moment. The beginning of week, two weeks ago, week and a half ago, I had an area in my life I needed to come up with $10,000. Didn't have the money. I said, okay, God, I feel like this is what we need to do. You're going to have to provide. Within one week's time, I needed to come up with this. I had my equipment business, hadn't sold anything in quite a while because I had nothing listed. Didn't have time to try to sell anything. And within one week's time, I even had people from four to six months ago begin to call me and said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to make that purchase. Hey, the, the school just gave us three grand to, to spend. Another person that owed me a couple grand paid me some money. That within a week's time, I ended up bringing in $13,000. But listen to this. The 10000 that I owed, they dropped it down to 6500 So not only did I come up with the 6500 I needed, but he doubled it to the dollar. But he doubled it. God not only comes through, but he blesses you above and beyond. But it's about coming into covenants with him. But here's the deal. I had faith that God would come through. And I'm not in a tithing message today or anything else, but <laughs> and now we can take the offering. No. <laughs> but I would not have had the faith to believe that God would come through for my finances if I did not have my finances in his hands. But when I put that area of my life in his hands, I then have faith to believe on a covenant that I have made with him to say, God, I have done what you've called me to do. Therefore, you will come through and do what you've said you will do. And there wasn't a doubt in my mind to wonder how or when or, or which way. I don't, I've come to the place in my life, I don't even try to figure out how he's going to do it anymore. Because when I try to figure it out, one, I always get it wrong. Two, when I try to figure it out, it stresses me out. 
How are you going to do this, God? Well, God, are you going to do this? Why don't, there's no other, why well, can't do it? Well, God, that's impossible. You can't do it that way and you can't do it this way. I try to figure it out. It doesn't happen. I get stressed out and therefore I lose my faith. For when you say, God, I'm putting this in your hands, you're not grabbing it back. You're leaving it in his hands. And while we're talking about the thing about tithing is when, when you put it in his hands, you aren't just going, God, I only, I only trust you with a little bit. No, you're saying, God, I trust you with it all. I trust you with my life. And if you're saying that you trust him with your life, that you'll give him your life, it should be a whole lot easier to trust him with your money. Think about it. If you trust somebody with your life, you trust them with your money, you trust them with everything. And that's what we need to do is begin to trust him with our life. Colossians 1.20, it says, And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, have made peace through the blood of his cross. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. It's saying we die to our sins and we rise again in him. All things have become new. Say all things things have become become new. new. All things things have become become new. new. Therefore, old things have passed away. When you invite Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord, to be your Savior, when you say, God, I accept the blood that you've shed for me, you're saying all things have become new in the old, which I once was, I no longer am. The problems I once have, I'm putting behind me. I'm leaving them behind me. And this is the point as I was talking about Letting something go so you can grab a hold of something new. You let your old car go so you can get a new one. Because you know the things that are greater are ahead of you. That you let the old go so you can grab a hold of something not only new, but greater, but better. And you grab a hold of them for your life. Almost. (laughs) You've been born into a new family. You get your inheritance. The greatest part of the blood is not only that it was shed for you, but it was brought back to life. That anybody could shed their life, their blood, die for you. But who do you know could come back to life? could overcome the grave, overcome what the enemy tried to do. And with this, when you accept it, you now have the same blood as Christ, which will cause you to rise up from your dying bodies and be alive in him. To be alive in him. It's a new blood. Imagine this. It's a new blood that begins to flow through your veins. It's a new blood, a new creature. He said you are a new creature, that it begins to have a new blood that you can begin to feel. 
flowing through your veins. Something new inside of you. That, that when you say, I was, I was once sick, you can say, I am now healed. Because when you invite the living God to come live inside of you, and you no longer live, but he who lives inside of you, you can now say, I can overcome anything because it's not me that does it. It's God the Father. That it's him who is inside of me that now I am an overcomer. That now I can overcome anything that gets thrown in my path because I am larger and greater than whatever comes before me. Because now it is not me, but it's something larger, something greater that lives inside of me, that brings me a life, that gets me excited. That I, you begin to feel it going inside of you and out of you. And as you begin to lay hands on the sick, as the Bible says, you begin to feel it released out of your body. You can come to someone and pray for them in the name of Jesus. And you can feel it being released in Jesus' name. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. You can feel it coming out of you. You can feel something so great because you're not living anymore. That when things come upon you that try to kill you, that try to destroy you, that would have normally made you kill yourself, that it no longer matters to you anymore. Because you're like, it doesn't matter. And even... I tell you what, when people try to kill you, you say, go ahead. Because I want to get out of this place. Because you aren't afraid of death anymore. Honestly, you're no longer afraid to die. Because you know there's a greater place waiting for you. And if they do kill you, and it's your, not your time to go, You've got a God living inside of you that overcame death. Yeah. Right. Think about that. That's overcame death. That you're no longer the same person. This is how we overcome anything in our lives. If you're overcoming drugs today, you say, I'm not a drug addict anymore. Because it's not me anymore. Because now I have God inside of me. And God ain't no drug addict. He's not an alcoholic. He's not addicted to porn or anything else. No, because now there's a different blood running through my veins that I can feel inside of me that makes me alive in him, that makes me somebody so much greater, somebody so much more, that when people come against me, I, I dust it off. I brush my shoulders off, and I go forward, and I say, God, if you're for me, I don't care who is against me, because all I need for me is you, God, nobody else, that if the world turns against me, it doesn't matter, because the only thing that matters, God, is my relationship with me and you, and I will not let any man come in between us to destroy what you've reconciled. To destroy what you've made whole and you made complete again. Because when man fell in the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned, it broke a relationship we had between God and the Father. And what Jesus did, if my, my guys will come forward, I ask to help me. And what Jesus did is he made a way, he made a path, he made a crossway for us to begin to have a relationship again with him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. All right, your man, 
Are you man? All right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You'll be my example of the devil today. <laughs> I don't want to call you the devil. Right here, come in a little further. There you go. And you will be God. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds like a hard job, don't it? <laughs> and what happens is originally, hang on. Originally we had a, we had a connection. Hold, hold hands, I'm sorry guys. But we had a connection between God and us. And what happened was man allowed the enemy to come in and break this connection we had between God. That he allowed the enemy to come in and break apart a relationship that we once had. That it was the sin in our lives that broke the relationship. But what happens is, is Jesus Christ died on the cross. And with Jesus, he had a hand to the Father. And as he did that, he reached out with the blood that he shed for us. And he reached out to man and said, I just need you to accept it. I just need you to accept it. To accept it. And if you'll accept it, I'll make a way for you to the Father. That you no longer have to live by sin. You no longer have to worry. But I am now there for you. I'm there to hold you, to lead you, to guide you. And I'm making a way to the Father that what, what man has broken, I will bring together. And what I bring together, no man can tear apart. That the enemy will try to come in there and he'll try to bump into you and he'll try to get you off course and he'll try to break it apart. But when you give God full control and you give Jesus Christ full control in your life, no enemy, no man, nobody can break it apart. Because God formed it together. He made it one between you and the Father. There was no separation that what he puts together, what he brings together, what he makes, no man can tear apart. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Guys, not every path leads to God. That he could have chosen a different path. He could have chosen somewhere different to run towards. He could have chosen the enemy and would have never made it to God. But there's one path and one way. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. That I'm telling you today, it's about accepting him into your life. It's about it grabbing a hold of what he has for you. It's impossible for any other way to lead to God. It just doesn't happen. Because the only one that turns the impossibilities into possibilities is Jesus Christ. And he's the one that made a way. In closing, guys, have you ever heard the saying, it's all about who you know? It's true. 
It's true. It's all about who you know. And sometimes what you got to do is you got to kick someone out of the way to get to be who you need to be. Sometimes you got to kick that enemy out of the way so you can reach across and grab a hold of Jesus Christ. You've got to say, you have no place here anymore because I am reaching further above and beyond past you into where I need to go. I'm reaching out and I'm grabbing a hold of the Jesus Christ. I no longer need you, enemy, in my life. I no longer need the lies that you said you have for me, the things that you've tried to tell me were good for me, the things that you tried to tell me would give me joy, would give me happiness, would give me pleasure. I've come to realize you're a liar. I'm no longer accepting it. I'm grabbing a hold of the way, the truth, and the life today that I no longer need anything else because I have all that there is to have. You must receive it. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That there is a way out. There's a greater way. There's a path that he's made for you, a path that he wants you to accept, a path that he wants you to grab a hold of. There's something so much more that he's saying, I've made a way. I just want you to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and then believe it in your heart. And when you believe something, it's not about saying it, it's not about confessing it. But when you believe something, it's about having faith. And when you have faith, you put your faith isn't complete until actions follow it. If you believe that life jacket will save your life, it means nothing until you apply it. It means nothing until you put it on. Then, then when you believe something so dearly, you grab a hold of it with everything you have and you run with it. You say, no, this is my life preserver. This is my lifesaver. I'm taking it and I'm running with it. I can say I believe that the life jacket will save my life. But if I don't grab a hold of it and put it on and wear it and use it and apply it to my life, it means nothing and I will die. But today I'm telling you, I'm begging you to grab a hold of that life jacket, to put it on, to buckle it up, to fasten it, to put it all around you and say, God, I want to live today. That God, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to accept what you have for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Have you put that life jacket on today? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Have you surrendered all today? I'm not even asking about what you've done in the past. I'm not asking if you've accepted him in the past. I'm not asking what you've done or how good or how bad you've been in the past. But right now as you stand before God, if God was here and he, and he stood before you, would you be able to say, Father, I'm right with you? Would he say, you can come in with me to heaven. You can be with me for eternity. Where do you stand with him today? 
If you don't know 100% that you would go to heaven when you die, this is for you. If you say you're 99.9% sure that you'll go to heaven when you die, this is for you. If you're not 100% confident that if Jesus Christ would come back today, that you'd go away to be with him, this is for you. No looking around between you and God today. If you want to accept that blood, that new covenant between you and him, if you want to grab a hold of his hand and say, God, I need you. If you want to be reconciled to the Father today, if you want to have him living inside of you, then all things become possible. This is for you. You say, Pastor, maybe you say, I, I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, but I've walked away from him. I'm no longer where I need to be, but I want to come back home. Or two, you say, Pastor, I don't even know where I stand anymore. Maybe you say your life's a wreck. Maybe you say everything seems to be falling apart. Or maybe you have no idea. And you're like, I want to make sure my life is right today. Or three, you say, Pastor, I've never invited the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And I want to accept that. I want to accept what he's done for me. I want to accept that he died on the cross to give me eternal life, to forgive me of my sins. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand right now. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see yours. I see your hand there. I see yours. I see yours. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see yours and yours and yours and yours. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. See your hand there. Shandra. Shandra. 